Everyone has something in their life that can be a stressor. But some people deal with their situations in more positive ways in order to take control. It's not difficult. You can do this too. Welcome to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully with your host, Rusty Williams. In this program, you'll learn how using hypnosis and mindfulness can lessen the stress and strengthen your life. Now, here is Rusty Williams. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another show, another episode that we're calling Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. And just a real quick reminder, once again, check out our website, NewJerseyHypnosisTraining.com. Find us on Facebook, um, NJ Hypnosis is our uh, Facebook page. And if you want to email me any thoughts, comments, suggestions, alibis, I'll take them all. You can email me directly at 13.rwilliams at gmail. So, here we are on another Wednesday. Um, And if you remember last Wednesday, I shared with you my life, again, as an open book in hopes that maybe some people can learn from my mistakes, from my from my own learning. And if you remember last week, I shared that um, I wasn't allowed to eat anything for the rest of the day because I was going to have that wonderful, wonderful procedure the following day, which was last Thursday, a colonoscopy. And I was talking about how I wasn't going to be able to eat anything solid and only had um, clear liquids. And then after midnight, um, nothing at all in my mouth until the following day. And I explained how the new colonoscopy prep is now split. So you do half of it at eight at night and then the other half, six hours before you report to the, for the procedure. And my reporting time was 7.15 in the morning, which meant at quarter after one in the morning, I got to do the prep all over again. So here's why I share that with you. Well, I'll do, I'll do my public service announcement at the end. Um, yeah, the prep sucks. And it was a very interesting uh, time, but here's the thing. Two polyps were found, and I just had a colonoscopy a year ago because I had um, a foot of my bowel and my rectum had to be removed last March. In fact, last March, I had major surgery, and more than a foot of my bowel and my rectum was was removed. So I'm all familiar with colonoscopy preps, but this prep, oh. Anyway, two polyps were found, and they're, they removed them, and that means that's two polyps that can never turn into cancer. So here's my public service announcement, then we'll get on with the show. Hey, the colonoscopy prep sucks. There is no other way to put it. It doesn't mean it has to be miserable. It doesn't mean, and hopefully my guest will be able to share some insight. Boy, she's going to love the, the fact the way I set this up for her. Um, <laughs> but maybe, maybe we can talk about how using mindfulness and meditation can take the suckiness out of bad situations in life. Because I guarantee you, as much as the prep isn't fun, colon cancer is a lot less fun. So there's my public service announcement for this week. Everything's good. The polyps were benign. Nothing to worry about for another year. Yay me. So last week, we talked about the power of the subconscious mind. And if you remember, if you remember, we talked about how it communicates with us and how we can communicate with it in, in positive ways. Well, today we're going to be talking about the benefits of using our conscious mind to practice mindfulness and meditation. And we know from research, now, now there's a ton of research that mindfulness can actually rewire the brain so we respond to situations to like having to get a colonoscopy prep in more in, in healthier ways instead of reacting to the bad things that that happen in our lives and today we're fortunate to be joined by a very special guest a guest who who's had a, I believe after I did a little research on her I wasn't stalking her on the internet but um following her and reading her book, and I believe she's had a very significant impact on the world of mindfulness and meditation, especially in in young adults. And with us today is Yael Shai, and Yael is the author of the award-winning book, What Now? Meditation for Your 20s and Beyond. She's been featured on major uh, national television shows. She's the founder and director of Mindful NYU, which is the largest campus-based mindfulness initiative in the country. And she teaches meditation and consults on mindfulness to colleges, to groups, and to individuals all around the world. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So happy to be with you. So how was that for, for a foundation, a colonoscopy prep? I mean, I bet you weren't expecting that when you, when you said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll be interviewed by <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. It goes right to the heart of it, right? Well, and, and, and here's what I... And, 
I was thinking about you not during the no, not that. Um, but so <laughs> so I, I've been reading your book, and by the way, folks, it is a phenomenal book. Um, Yale just opens. You know, I say my life's an open book. She just pours her heart out and shares the good, the bad, and the ugly in her life. And and I just love the way the book is written. And once I picked it up, I kind of put it down. But here's the okay. thing. On the way home from the um, endo center where I had it done, I was starving. I hadn't eaten in like 36 hours. And so my wife took me to a, a local diner on the way home. And I ordered a Belgian waffle. I mean, I hadn't eaten anything solid in 36 plus hours. And instead of scarfing it down, I found myself just savoring every bite of that waffle. Now, I thought at the time that was the best Belgian waffle ever made in the world. And looking back now, I have to wonder, is is diner food really capable of making the best Belgian waffle in the world? Or did I think that because I just appreciated the fact that I was, and I was so grateful that I was able to eat. So there's the foundation I'm using, Yale. I'm going to yes. use that instead of my colonoscopy as the foundation. There so you go. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can just share with, with everyone how you got into mindfulness. How, how did it come about in your, you know, you don't have to, I'm not asking for your CV. Sure. But how, how, how did it come about in your life? Um, well, for me, like I think for a lot of people, it was actually born out of a lot of suffering. And struggle. Um, when I was in college, it was just one of the hardest times that of my life. Um, I was in New York during 9-11, and so I had some trauma from, from that experience. Um, I had, my family was go- undergoing a lot of trauma and stress. I broken up with a boyfriend. I was, um, I was just like the, my anxiety that I had lived with for for all the years, you know, my young adulthood really came to the fore and started shooting through the roof. And I was having regular panic attacks and just in a lot of pain and, and struggle. And my um, I tried a bunch of different things to figure out, like, how can I get out of this? And my mother, who's not a meditator and was not a meditator, but came across a flyer for a meditation retreat, and she suggested that I go on it. And I said, you know, I I had never meditated a day in my life, and I thought, oh, this sounds like it could be relaxing. I'll go on this retreat. And I guess I didn't read the fine print or I didn't understand, but it was a seven-day silent meditation retreat where the only thing you do for seven days from morning until night is pretty much meditate, eat, and sleep, and uh, and occasionally meet with the teachers. And so I, I, had, I could not believe that that's what I had signed up for once I got there. And I, initially, I just was thinking of every possible way I could get out of it. <laughs> and then something kind of cracked open for me, and I started to see how this practice was really, really um, illuminating about what was causing me so much anxiety and stress and how to understand my inner world in a totally different way. And it really changed uh, changed a lot for me. And so I continued to go on the retreats and then I developed my own practice and then I became a teacher. And then that's sort of the history of that. So I... I, you hit the nail on the head. I think we we don't. Some of us stumble into it, but for a lot of us, it's through some sort of pain, whether physical, emotional, spiritual pain, yes. that we find ourselves on these journeys. So let's get right to it. You experienced it from a place of trauma, a place of pain. You've experienced the benefits of it, but if you could share, you know, and everyone has their own feelings, everyone has their own beliefs about what it is that meditation and mindfulness brings to us and, and what it puts out to, to the universe, so to speak. But why should people meditate? What what are the benefits of it, at least that you have found in, in your teachings, in your experience, in, in, in the research that you've done? Yes. Um, so there's a bunch, but I'll just say, I'll say my favorites. <laughs> okay. The, um, since I, I came out the gate this way, I'll say like, number one is it's a methodology of healing. And how that happens is that the practice brings you back in contact with yourself. And when you bring your awareness and attention back to 
yourself over and over again to the breath, to the present moment, what hap- the body is naturally set up that it wants to heal, but it's also terrified of doing so. And so it creates this, meditation creates this kind of container for healing to occur and for the body to, to process through trauma and pain so that healing can occur. And so it's this, it's kind of an incredible process that just like therapy, and I, I, I don't know much about it, but from your, uh, I, I think you could probably speak to the hypnosis piece of it, but just that these methodologies to bring us closer to um, healing and to the pain that we're holding so that it can heal. So that's one big one. Um, another huge benefit is what you described at the top of the show um, with that eating of that waffle, like what most of us live so much of our life and during the day and during our craziness and busyness, just kind of accelerating through life. And we're halfway distracted most of the time. We're shoveling our food in while we like are scrolling through our social media or trying to get our kids out the door, whatever the the kind of day-to-day-ness of your life holds, most of us are not really present during our lives. And over time, that starts to accumulate in a way of making us feel very alienated from the life that we're living so that we're not really tasting our food. We're not really interacting in a deep way with the people around us. And then life begins to feel um, dry and and, uh, dull And that can then lead to depression and burnout. And so meditation is this process of coming back to life, kind of coming flush with life again, to actually take the time to taste our food, to interact with our loved ones, and to show up for life as it's happening. And I think that's like a a, a really powerful benefit as well. And then there are all the the research-based benefits like better for your stress levels, better for your uh, blood pressure. Uh, immune immune system, especially now with what's going on in the world, we, we know the stress lowers the immune system. So obviously meditation and mindfulness boost the immune system. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes, so that, that could always be helpful. I mean, it's, it's study after study of, of how these practices can really be beneficial to health and well-being. Well, okay. You, as you were talking, and and I believe I don't know what chapter it is, but you have a whole, at least part of a chapter on mindful eating, and yes. I'm reading it, and I almost choked on my food, and here's why. <laughs> so, I was I was a police officer for 25 years, and in the police academy, it was very similar paramilitary like boot camp, and you go to to chow hall or you go to the mess hall. There's no talking. There's no anything. You shovel the food in your mouth as fast as you can. And then you get out the door. So there's no relaxation when you eat a meal in boot camp or in in some sort of paramilitary training organization. And before before I was a cop, I was a paramedic. So you're literally eating on the fly and you're trying to eat every possible because you don't know when the pager's going to go off, when you're going to get dispatched. And it's always when you're sitting down eating. So it's almost like I had trained my mind. From the time I was a paramedic and then into the police academy and then as a cop, because again, you never know when, when you're going to get a call. So very, for 30, at least 30 years of my life, five years as a paramedic, 25 years as a cop, I had, tr- I think I trained myself to just shovel the food in as fast as I could. And I remember my wife, the first time watching me eat, she, she, she said I was like a machine. She'd never <laughs> seen anything like it. Like, sit down. You know, she's 100% Italian. Everyone talks over food. You, you, you talk about the food itself. You sit and enjoy. You, you savor it. And it's been a learning process for me. But I think the good news there that I can share, again, my life's an open book, is if I can rewire my brain to eat more mindfully, to, to be more present in that, what else can I be more present in? And you said more more presence with family, more presence w- with my friends instead of being distracted, looking down at, you know, what's what's the latest thing going on, you know, on Facebook and things like that. And, and I think that the fact that it can rewire our brains, what you just shared, it doesn't mean just because we're at this level wherever we find ourselves that we can't create this awareness of the present moment. Yes, exactly. And it can happen at any age. Um, and it's just a practice. And it's kind of, 
you know, I think like it, so a lot of people feel like when they first start meditating, oh, I'm failing at this. I'm really bad at it. I can't keep present. I'm just, my mind is moving a million miles an hour. And I think the most important thing to remember is that it's not like success in meditation is not like the amount of hours you're blissfully, you know, on a, on a different cloud of awareness. That's not how I define success. I think success is just like any micro moment you can remember to bring yourself back. That action of bringing yourself to the present moment from all the places your mind goes, even if it's once in the in an entire like hour, that is an amazing moment of really waking up to life. And then the so, more we the more we do it, the better we become in it. And then it becomes, and that's what actually it's not practicing it once if if I remember correctly, the research that I've read, it's not like you practice mindfulness or meditation once and your brain is all of a sudden everything's fine. It's this practicing these little chunks of time, whether it's 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, and then that becomes two or three times a day. Four, And that's, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how we slowly change and evolve and learn how to be present in, in this moment. That's exactly right. It's like a bicep curl, you know? Like oh, it's, oh, I like that analogy. <laughs> you can't like just lift a ton of weight right away when you go to the gym. You have to like build up, but then slowly and slowly that muscle develops. I love that. Listen, we're, we're coming up against a break. And what I want to do is pick up something that you said uh, just, I don't know, five, ten seconds ago now, but the way my mind works, it could have been a minute ago. But you talked <laughs> about, you know, when we first practice, we're thinking that we're doing it wrong and the yeah. frustration that can come along. And I want to share with you, and maybe you can share with our with our listeners, maybe some of the frustrations that you first felt. But I know when I first started, I thought I was doing it wrong. And maybe we can pick up on the other side of this break about people don't have to worry that they're doing it wrong, that it'll come with time and, and our minds are made to think. So the monkey mind is an okay thing once in a while. So Absolutely. maybe we'll pick up on that. And we'll be right back after this break where Yael and I will talk about it's not so bad to start off slow and even think you're doing it wrong. We'll be right back after this break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. To reach the program today, you're welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send Rusty an email, his email address is 13.rwilliams at gmail.com. Now back to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. 
All right, welcome back, everybody. Before the break, Yale and I were talking about how we're going to come back and talk about the, the meditation um, beginning mindset of it. But you just heard from that voiceover um, how you can get a hold of me. Yale, I want to give you an opportunity and give our listeners an opportunity. How can they find you? How can they contact you? Where can they follow you? Um, yes. And especially, where can they get your book? Yes, um, you can get my book, What Now? Meditation for Your 20s and Beyond, anywhere. Books are sold, hopefully. Um, there you go. Online, anywhere else. And then to get in touch with me, um, I'm online at yaelshy.com. That's Y-A-E-L-S-H-Y.com. And, um, and on social media, it's yaelshy1 on Instagram and um and Twitter, and I'm on Facebook as well. So you can all, find the regular, me all the regular social media sites we can find you. That's right. Okay. So <laughs> thank you. And, and I, again, I, I, don't, I don't endorse a lot of um, books, a lot of products, but I, I have to say reading your book, and again, there's so many pages that are dog-eared, underlined. It's just, and it's such an easy read, so honest um, about your own journey that I, I just can't recommend this book enough. Thank you. You're more than welcome. And before we went to break, we were talking about how this meditation can seem like like we're doing it wrong. And when I was in seminary, we had a block of instruction on contemplative prayer. And part of that was to learn meditation. And right from the outset, the professor told us about this, like the Buddhists would call the empty mind. So in, in other words, getting rid of all your thoughts and everything. And I can't tell you of all the courses that I took, the hardest, the most frustrating, the one that, that I just felt that, that I failed myself was contemplative prayer for, for the reason of that small block of instruction on meditation, because I couldn't get my mind to stop, my, my brain, my mind, my brain, whatever you want to call it, it just kept thinking of things and I kept thinking that I was failing. Yeah. Do you have any advice, any suggestions, maybe you can calm the the fears, the the frustration of those of us, and by the way, still when I try to meditate, my mind, the monkey mind is going, but any of suggestions, course. any thoughts, any suggestions you can offer that could allay some of our fears, some of our concerns about, as we're starting out, how this meditation thing works, and are we failing, are we not failing, is, is this normal? Take it from there. Yes. Um it is 100% normal. In fact, if it didn't happen, I would be worried. Um, the, the brain likes to think. The mind likes to think. It's just what it does. And thank goodness for that. That's how we survive in this world because it's thinking of like what we need to do next and how we can survive. So it's just the same way that the heart beats. That's what the heart does. The mind thinks. And so if you kind of start from there and be like, we do not need to stop the mind from thinking the same way we don't want to stop the heart from beating, not the aim, not the goal. And and to just start to understand that rather than stopping our thoughts, which like I don't think anybody can do as far as I know, what we want to do instead is to start to learn how to not identify exclusively with the thought. So a way to think about this is to think about um, like a sky. Like if you think about the sky and then you think about clouds in the sky. So if our thoughts are the clouds, what we want to do is when we realize like, oh, I'm completely inside of the thought. I'm just thinking the thought. I'm thinking about what I need to do later or I'm reliving something that happened in the past. When you instead drop into the body or drop into the breath, something that is present in this moment at this time, like even now if you're listening, what what are your feet doing? What are your feet touching? Can you drop into the sensations of your feet rather than thinking about your feet, really feel your feet and what they're touching? Then you are beginning to climb your way out of the cloud and identify more with the sky, this moment, the truth of this moment. And so it's not stopping the clouds from existing. There's no need to stop those clouds from going by. It's just dropping into the larger truth, which is the, the thoughts are going to go by. 
there's sensations that are going to come up and go by. Distractions are going to come up and, and fall away. And we're just learning to practice over and over again, living in the present moment while all these things are happening. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell my, my clients that, but I'll give you full credit, I promise. Oh, I, I, love, didn't, I didn't I, make it up. <laughs> but I love that analogy of the clouds in the sky. Yes, because we, why would we need to stop the clouds? The clouds are great. We just don't need to live inside of the cloud Sorry. all the time. What a metaphor. I, wow, I, I love that one. Yes. I'm, I'm going to write it down. <laughs> but I definitely identify when I first started, when I first started meditating too, I also got really confused by that. And it's interesting because you notice the way you talk to yourself when you, when you really pay attention in those moments. Like I would, like, I would be like, oh, you idiot. Like why everybody <laughs> else here can do this. Why can't you do this? What is wrong with you? And it was very um, aggressive and mean. And that kind of inner voice, I, I, of course I didn't want to keep meditating when that was the voice that was coming up every time I was trying to do something. And so it was also very helpful to look at that voice and be like, how can, how can I change that language? Because that's what I'm carrying around with me all the time. That inner critic. That's right. Exactly. So you wrote you, the subtitle of the book, Meditation for Your 20s and Beyond. We talked about you know, why meditation is, how meditation is beneficial, how mindfulness helps us. Why is it so important for young people to meditate, you know, young, young adults? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I work with young adults every day at NYU, um, and they are struggling. And the research shows this, and, and my, you know, anecdotal evidence sh- definitely shows this, that these, this generation is more anxious than ever, has more um, diagnoses than ever of, of mental health issues. There is um, more and more suicidal ideation and really painful um, feelings that are coming up for this generation. I think potentially just uh, living in this world of great uncertainty. Young people always... Um, have a lot of emotions coming up and are still learning how to be in the world. That was certainly the case for me. But I think this generation particularly needs outlets that can help them to disengage from technology for a few minutes and to re-engage and learn to understand their own hearts and to find trust and faith in the world and in themselves and with others um, outside of just kind of social media and technology that they're bombarded with nonstop from really their the time they're you know conscious yeah it's 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 a double-edged sword isn't it you know technology this technology boom they you know this technology revolution so to speak there's there was the industrial revolution i'm sure history's going to look back at this from the yes. 90s till now it's this technology boom and the double-edged sword is that we've become so trained in in not not just watching it not just being a part of it but trusting it and you know i could go that doesn't that that just never mind that's a whole can of worms as far as if it's on the internet it must be true and no need to fact check but we've become so absorbed in it and like you my clients uh range in age from you know anywhere from you know a 10 year old all the way up through you know senior citizen and and everything in between but like you, I'm seeing more and more people, young people, who used to come to a hypnotist for um, athletic performance to to you know focus in more on whatever their their task was, or academic performance to do better on tests or exams. Um, I've worked with a lot of college students who you know th- whether it's grad school or whatever's coming up, final exams, dissertations, theses, whatever they have to defend. That's one area, but more and more, and my colleagues are telling me this all around the, the world, um, that more and more young people are coming with diagnosed depression, diagnosed generalized anxiety disease, um, yes. and, and everything in between, and the fear, and, and the medications, and everything that goes with it. So how do we, if, if you could, how do we encourage young adults to, and I know you have a wonderful thing going at NYU. 
Yeah. How do we encourage young adults to, to just give it a try, to just give meditation or mindfulness, just, just give it a try? Well, what I'm finding is actually there's not a whole lot of convincing I have to do. Our numbers, the, the same level that the stressors on young people are going up, the numbers of students that are coming into our programs um, and that are getting interested and more versed in meditation it are swelling every single year. Are you it's, finding that just NYU or are you finding that with talking to people all around the country at universities? I think it's true around the country and right. I think it's true around the world. Um, I think the culture is really shifting for everyone, but because young people are sort of at the you know the front of that cultural movement, um, it is just so deeply more in the zeitgeist, which is so I'm so happy about uh, because I think it's so needed. It's so so um, needed. And I know even down to the high school and elementary school level, reading about um, schools that are using meditation and mindfulness incorporating it into their curriculum right. and watching and even using it for discipline it, yes. watching um you know classroom management issues become easily resolved and that makes teachers my wife's a retired teacher so wow. classroom management was always you know a big issue yeah. um you know all you need is one student and by the way i was that student <laughs> one student to, to just disrupt the entire class you know then the teacher walks in and goes oh my god he's in, he's here again today so yes. if you can, you know, help control and, and ease the, the classroom management side and the disciplinary, the, the discipline side of it, schools are going to be better. Kids have a better learning environment. And I'm sure that would continue up through college, up through whatever trade schools they're going to. And I think they're going to, would you agree that as the stress and anxiety goes down, fears go down, learning and, and retention goes up? Yes, we're we're in the middle of a study of exactly that question. What effect do, do these practices, when, and how much practice do you have to have before it starts to, we start to see results around GPA, um, and you know it's hard to measure learning exactly, but we sure. can look at GPA. We can look at um, their grades and whether or not that has any impact. So we don't know for sure if that's true. There's one. Uh, small study that came out of the University of Miami that's showing indications in that direction but I wouldn't be surprised it's it's a hypothesis that so, I yeah think it, it seems yeah that, and I would imagine it at least seems to make sense um, yes that you know I, I we do know that stress impacts our memory exactly uh, and, and and as as cops we were taught you know you're, you're in high stress situations and the reason they put you in high stress situations in training is so that when it happens in real life, you respond differently than just, this is the first time I experienced it, you know, oh crap, now what do I do? Right. Um, and so, and because the FBI has a, has a wonderful behavioral science unit, and I know they've done, shown studies how stress affects performance. So yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, like you said, it's a hypothesis right now, but I would imagine that I hope it bears out because that would be phenomenal. But it just seems to make sense that that we learn better when there's less fear, less stress, less anxiousness. Yes. And there's a, a researcher from that University of Miami named Amishi Jod. She does research all actually in the military. Um, she works with a three-star general who they've been implementing these what they call mind training, which is really mindfulness programs um, in different military units for the exact reasons that you're describing. I, I think I just read something called mindfulness-based attention training. Yes, that's and it. They, and that's and right. they, they, they had just released, I think last month, a study, um, University of Miami, and they worked with firefighters and military people. Yes, exactly. And, and they were showing resilience was was better, at least measurable self, self-reporting. And um, wow. Seems yes. like we're, wow, how's that? We didn't even talk about that beforehand, and here we are. Um, <laughs> yes, I know. So we're, we're, we've got about two minutes before a break, and in these two minutes, let me ask you this, and, and we, we don't have to end it just before the break. Yeah. But, you know, you talked about the culture we're in and everything else. We seem so busy. You know, there's so much going on, and everything's vying for our attention. Yeah. With so much going on in life, and all of us are too busy, do more with less, you know, how can we set aside some time? Do we need to set aside a lot of time? Maybe that's it. Does meditation need to take a lot of time? Is there things we can do in our busy lives to to start bringing some mindfulness or some meditation into our lives? 
Well, there's a, a joke that is also kind of true, which is um, if you, you know, everybody should meditate at least 10 minutes a day. And if you're really, really busy, you should meditate at least 20 minutes a day. <laughs> and it's just kind of that counterintuitive, but actually kind of there's a true part of it that that's what you need more when you're really busy. Um, now, not everyone can find that time. And so if five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, you can spend trying to um, do some of these practices, you will see results. That's what the research shows us. Just 10 minutes a day and you can see some results. And then there are some things you can do even if you forget or you don't have that 10 minutes that day. There's mindfulness kind of in everyday life activities you can do, like you described, really tasting your food, really being present with your cup of coffee or tea, um, uh, being aware of your feet as you're walking to the bathroom, if you're going to the bathroom, you know, like all different kinds of practices where you can try and bring that awareness into your everyday life. And maybe when we come back, we can pick up on that because there's the, the, again, what I thought mindfulness had to be this, you know, sitting there, you know, with your legs crossed, your hands pointed upwise with your, you know, your finger and thumb touching. Yeah. Where we can actually practice mindfulness um, in, in, in everyday things in life. And, right. and, you know, there's mindful walking. And I know you, you touched upon that on the book, mindful eating. There was a, a research, um, well, Kabat-Zinn, John Kabat-Zinn talked, did the raisin, exer- raisin exercise, and then Harvard did a whole study on it, just eating a raisin, and yeah. how we just do, do simple things like this in our life. So maybe, maybe we can pick up on that on the other side of the break, some simple things so that we can leave everyone with some simple techniques that don't take a lot of time. And then if we have, if we have time, if we have more than 10 minutes, we'll go to the 20-minute mindfulness, but even share some ideas maybe on how we can use the things that maybe we're not even aware of just to bring us back to to the moment, whether it's focusing on the breath or, like you said, the sensation of our shoes on our feet, what we're standing on, things like that. Does that sound fair? Absolutely. All right. So we'll be back in just a moment. When we come back, we'll talk about now that we've set this whole foundation of the benefits of mindfulness and meditation, some ways that you can incorporate it into your life in a very painless way, I promise. And we'll be right back right after this. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment.
You're listening to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. To reach the program today, you're welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send Rusty an email, his email address is 13.rwilliams at gmail.com. Now back to Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. All right. Welcome back, everybody. In this last segment, the last 10 minutes that we have together, I'm going to hope that um, we can share with you, and we'll see where this goes, some of the easier, simpler ways, and maybe we'll build up to some of the the ones that take a little more time, that you can practice meditation or mindfulness and really get the benefits. And like Yale said, these benefits come, it's almost, you almost don't perceive them at first. And it's not like you do it one time and it's, you know, it, it's the magic wand. But over time, that little voice in our head, that inner critic becomes the inner cheerleader. The way we respond to things changes and we respond more appropriately because we're not responding with the emotional part of our brain. We're responding with the part of our brain that's where thought and reason and judgment are. So with that as, as the foundation for this, Yale, can you offer some, you, you talked about walking. Now, are you talking just wherever you're walking, just start thinking about what the feet feel like? How, how would that work if I'm walking, when this show's over and I'm walking into the kitchen and, and then I'm going to take the dogs for a walk? Yes. Um, what can I do to just be present and just start practicing that inward focus, the, the awareness of what's going on with me? So we could actually practice it right now. So the idea is that we're not exactly thinking about walking. We're really trying to drop into the sensations that are at play when walking. And so we're not walking right now. Maybe some of you are who are listening. But yeah. if you are wherever you're at, see if you can really just let's take the hands, for instance. Notice what your hands are touching right now, wherever they are. And then notice like the exact sensations, almost like you never, you've never experienced anything like this before. You had to kind of describe it to someone. So what are the textures? What is the temperature? Can you feel all around the different parts of the palm and the uh, fingertips? And as you move the hand, if you move the hand a little bit, can you notice how that shifts the sensations and what the muscles feel like as they move? And as you continue to get really curious and really pay attention to those sensations, you notice that it actually becomes very hard to be inside of like your thinking brain, like your anxiety or your daydreaming or, you know, anything like that when you're fully paying attention to those sensations. So it's another way to bring yourself into the present moment and walking. You could do that with each step, kind of paying attention to the way that your body feels as you're taking the step to the weight of your, your body as it's coming down on the different parts of the feet and the connection with the ground. So if you're walking quickly, this is not going to be a very slow practice, but you could still pay attention just to the raw physical sensations that are coming at you. So it's not just what the mind, you're talking about the noticing the physical sensations as well, and I think that's important. Yes, exactly. We're trying to drop into the body, not exactly thinking about it, but just feeling it. And you had mentioned so so often, and, and everyone in mindfulness mentions this, and in hypnosis world, we do the same thing, the breath. You know, and, and, and I love the, the idea of focusing on the breath because, first of all, the breath is something that's always with us. We know yes. wherever we go, we have our breath, right? Yes. But, and I think because we've been breathing our entire life, it's something that we really don't pay that much attention to. Right. And I found for me that when I started just, when I learned the mindfulness of focusing on the breath, and as you were talking about the, the hands and, and just changing the position of the, of the hands, it came to mind that once you start focusing on the breath and notice the rhythm of it, and notice even, even the temperature of the inhalation through your nose and how that temperature of the air is different than the exhalation. Right. And it's these little things that we take for granted 
that all we need to do is just focus on them. And I think you just took up maybe two minutes. So I'd imagine two minutes, three or four times a day, here we are practicing mindfulness and we're not, we don't need to go in some, you know, hot yoga studio and, 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 and it, we can really do this just about any time, anywhere. Exactly. Yes. And the breath is really beautiful because like you said, we normally don't focus on it. And if you're someone that gets anxious a lot, the breath can be like a very regulatory force. It can actually like relax your whole nervous system. Now, on the other hand, some people do get like extra agitated when they focus on the breath. Some, something about like trying to be with the breath kind of clenches them up. And in that case, you can just drop back into like your hands or your feet or your body and go somewhere that's like maybe a little less agitating. Whatever physical sensation you become aware of. Yes, exactly. And so so I I remember in, and I don't know what course it was after hypnosis certification, but it was, we we, we were taught and it was by a a licensed um, psychotherapist that when the mind wanders, it wanders for one of three reasons. It's either our thoughts, we start thinking about something, it's our feelings or emotions, and I'm sure there's a difference, but for me in my mind, I just have to think of feelings and emotions as one thing, and then physical sensations. And so when we find our mind, and what I found is I can use that to practice mindfulness by just, okay, what am I aware of as far as thoughts right now? Am I thinking of what I have to do later today? Do I have to run to the store? And just become aware of what's going on in my brain. Am I um, upset about something? Am I worried about something? You know, tax time's coming up, right? You should see our our dining room table looks like DEFCON 5. It's it's (laughs) tables everywhere, right? So am I I worried? And just noticing that, and like you had said earlier, noticing the way that the, you know, that, that raw sensation of the way maybe the road or whatever you're walking on feels under your feet. So yeah. those three things, we can actually use those to focus on and bring our awareness back to ourselves. And yes. I, 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 it's almost it's almost like we're, us humans, <laughs> maybe as it's just who we are, we, we tend to think the more complicated and the more complex of a solution, the better it's got to be. Right. When in reality, sometimes it's the simplest things. Right. Are That's there right. any other simple things that you can? So, so that that, that was the easy mindful. It, in in the next, I don't know. We probably have two minutes left or whatever. It, are there any other meditation or mindfulness techniques that just go a little deeper that that you could share? Yeah, um, there's a wonderful meditation teacher named Tara Brock. And she created this practice that's called the RAIN practice that I talk about in my book. And RAIN is the acronym for um, recognize, allow, inquire, and nourish. And it's a whole methodology that you can start to learn to, um, to practice with very overwhelming or strong emotions that come up, like anger or powerful anxiety and fear, um, and this practice is really, really beautiful. And just, it's it's not like rocket science, but it's a really, it can take you very deeply into um, the practice of working with emotions, strong emotions. So the RAIN acronym again is, what are the letters again? Sure, it stands for recognize, like recognize the emotion that's happening. So now don't hide from it, recognize it. and just Exactly. Okay. Right. And name it because so often we're like, all the way halfway through a furious email or a huge fight before we're like, oh, wait a minute, I think I'm angry. <laughs> or go. we can, you know, just stop, put the brakes on to actually notice something is happening in our body. Okay. So that's the recognize. Allow means we're stopping any extra resistance we have to that emotion. Okay. We drop like anything extra and we just say like, okay, you're welcome here. You belong here. All right. So whatever it is. The inquiry asks the question, where do I feel this in the body? How do I know that this is what I'm feeling? Like, what are the physical sensations that are at play? And that helps you move towards that feeling to start to understand and heal it. And then the nourish asks the question, what can I do for myself when I feel this way? How can I support myself, bring some love to the situation, um, just give myself like permission, whatever it takes 
to be able to stay in that sometimes very difficult place a little bit longer. Nourish does that, asks that question. And so that's the kind of framework. And how long would that RAIN technique take someone? I mean, on average, I, I'm not, I don't want to you know, nail it down that it takes exactly 30 seconds, but on average, yeah. is this something someone can do? Does it take all day? Let's move <laughs> I guess like it could, but I think for me, I've used it a lot when I'm feeling like completely dysregulated and I need to just calm down and feel the feelings and like take care of myself and take care of the feelings. So that could be anywhere from two minutes, you know, one or two minutes to like a good 30 to 40 minute meditation session. So, so any, anywhere from a couple minutes to, which is what we have left, by the way, to yes. <laughs> you know, to, to, to twenty minutes, a half an hour. Yeah, you know, that wonderful advice that is in your book. The book is "What Now: Meditation for Your Twenties and Beyond." And again, that's available wherever books are sold. You can get it online. I'm guessing Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, those kind of yes. places. And once again, for for everyone tuning in, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Um, if we yes. wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, so my website is Y-A-E-L-S-H-Y.com. And you can find me uh, also on social media at Yael Shy number one on Twitter and Instagram. And just regular Yael Shy on Facebook. Great. And uh, you're at NYU running this I, 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 I'm assuming that's where you are, up in New York someplace. That's right. I'm oh, sure. in New York City, but wow. I travel all around the country. Yes, yes you do. <laughs> and, and so I want to thank you so much for, for giving up an hour of your day to be with us. I know I've learned a lot. I know this has been entertaining, and I can't tell you how appreciative I am for you wow. giving up your time and sharing. So thank you so much. It's such a pleasure, such a pleasure. Thank you so Great. much for having me. Great. Yale shy, everybody. And don't forget to tune in next week where our topic is going to be the power of visualization and how in addition to mindfulness and meditation, it can also help to rewire our brains and so we can perform better. And we're going to be joined by a retired naval officer who is now a Hollywood actor who uses both meditation and visualization to help him uh, to prepare for his acting roles. You're not going to want to miss that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Yale, thank you once again. Have a wonderful week, everyone. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you for joining us this week for Thinking Hypnotically, Living Mindfully. Your host, Rusty Williams, invites you to tune in again next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.